Yeah, it was, I think it was B&M. We bought this kind of just shoe unit, this shoe rack. And it comes home, and you may have had something similar where you buy a furniture, um, and the instructions are like non-existent. They're not there. And you have to use your PhD degree to figure it out. You're like, X equals this. No. And you're trying to figure out, how do I put this thing together? And sometimes you find yourself, you're, you're trying one way, and you're trying to fit a screw. It doesn't go there. You're trying this way. It doesn't work. Am, am I the only one? Or have you experienced something remotely similar? No? Yeah. Okay. We've got some nods. So that's a win. Great. Something remotely similar where you try to fix a unit and it doesn't work. And I'm not even lying to you. Most of the time, Sarah would walk past, look at me, and say, Nick, have you thought about doing it this way? And I thought, surely not. I'm like, just, just try it. And so I try it, and guess what? It works. And the unit suddenly starts to take shape, right? And, and, and um, when I was reading this, this story, I thought it was a bit, there's sort of a similarity in this. Um, and this morning, we want to draw attention to uh, Jesus encountering his disciples, his friends, and what he brings to the table and how he meets with them. We read uh, really earlier on that the disciples were going fishing. And if you know from the scriptures, in your reading, the disciples, some of them anyway, were fishermen. That was their profession. They were meant to be good at their job. They were meant to know how to fish, you know. Um, they were meant to know how, how to do this thing. And so they're ready, they, they go in the boat, it's late at night, um, they get the boat, and, and they want to go and fish because it's the best time to go fish. Nighttime, the fishes are, are, are coming to shores because it's darker, and surely they are going to catch some fish, have some dinner, have some breakfast, because they know what they're doing. They were good at this. We read that they fished the whole night. Can you imagine? So let's say, you know, let's say, 8 p.m. So start fishing at 8 p.m. till about 4, 5 in the morning, nothing, you know, it's, it's, it's exhausting. It must be completely wiped. Anyways, and, and, and this is where my first point comes into. We, we, we encounter Jesus and he see his provision for his disciples. And it seems a bit like in our own lives, we can put a lot of effort into trying to make something work. We can put a lot of effort into trying to make a, a friendship work or a relationship work. Or we can try uh, a lot of effort trying to make something of our family relationships work. We can try to make a job work, but we're not seeing any returns. The disciples spent the whole night trying to fish, but they weren't seeing any returns. And in our own lives, we can do similar, whether it's at work or with friends or colleagues, we're trying to make something work, but we are not seeing any returns. And it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to say, well, I'm done. I'm going to give up. I'm, I'm over this. Nothing seems to be working. It doesn't matter how hard I try. I used to be good at this. This was my profession. No matter what I'm doing, it's not working. And so I'm going to give up. It's an easy thing to say. It's an easy thing to do. But this passage, it reminds us that Jesus is ever-present. He is always present. And it teaches us not to lose hope when it seems that hope is lost. It, Jesus is there at the moment when his disciples are returning to shore, almost 
beat down, almost uh, uh, out of energy and, and could not believe that they haven't caught anything. Jesus meets them there. And Jesus says to his disciples, friends, have you had any fish? In verse five, and they answer no. And he says to them, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and there you will find some. But can you imagine, right? You've been fishing all night and dusk is coming up, dawn. And, and this, this person says, guys, just other side. And you'll be like, hold on, I've, I've been doing this the whole night. Surely you, haven't, you don't think I've already tried the other side? You don't think I've already thrown it that way? And so can you imagine being in a boat with your, just your friends? You go, who's this guy? Like, really? Who? This stranger with this light, nice flowing hair. I don't know. Who's, who's this guy? And, he's, and he says you throw the, the net on the other side. Right? But they, they do it anyways. They throw the net. And lo and behold, like fish upon fish upon fish. And this tells me that the words of Jesus are so important in our lives. The words of Jesus are so important to each and every single one of us. And that when Jesus speaks and we listen, things happen. The disciples paid attention to what Jesus said. Even if they didn't recognize him, but they paid attention. And what happened? They caught something. And when I was reading this, it seems to me that in our lives, sometimes we, we fixate on one thing and we try and we, we, I used to be good at this, so I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna do it this way. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I, I'm good at. And the simple reality is we are doing it all in our efforts. I'm gonna fix this friendship. I'm gonna fix my marriage. I'm gonna fix my, my job. I'm gonna fix my finances. But actually, Jesus says, no. Listen to my voice and actually do it this way. There you will find life. There you will find complete security. There you will find all that you need because I am providing for you. If you listen to my voice and hear me there, you will find the provision, the sustenance that you need. Listen to me. The disciples at the time didn't recognize it was Jesus, but they heard and did what they were told to do. And there they found more than they could ever imagine by the listening of his voice. They could not contain the blessings that Jesus was so clearly pouring up upon them. This morning, Tom was talking about the rain uh, pouring down on us and like God's blessings are continuously pouring down upon us. This is exactly the same thing. The words of Jesus are pouring down blessings on his disciples and his disciples catch 153 fishes. His disciples are just um, enjoying and basking in this thing. They throw the net, listen to his voice, and there they catch what they've been trying to catch all night. You see, this is what Jesus does. When we pay attention to him, when we listen to his voice, the provisions that he gives us are so much more than our minds could ever, ever contain or ever imagine. His abundance will flow like a river and his blessing will continuously pour out like a tap that doesn't want to shut off. Jesus is always providing for us. That's my first point. My first point is Jesus' provision. But as the story continues to go, after Jesus is providing the fish uh, for his friends, listen to what happens next in verse 7. And this is where I call it our response to Jesus' provision. Our response to his provision. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So um, 
John sees this is Jesus. It must be, it has to be. There is no other way about it. This is Jesus. And so uh, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he didn't even second guess, it is the Lord. He heard, it is the Lord. And his response, his heart's response to that, it is the Lord, was what? To, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to get, be, be appropriate, I'm going to put my pants back on and I'm going to go and meet Jesus. Because surely to be in your birthday suit with Jesus is a bit too much. So, um, and if you weren't aware, I'm assuming the fish, the guys were fishing naked because it says they were, um, he had to wrap his garments around him. So there must be a thing about fishing naked. I don't know. Um, I, I'm not a fisherman. So if, if you know why, and <laughs> maybe it's not a trend today. People don't fish naked. I don't know. You're not saying, stop saying naked in church, Nick. I'm going to stop saying it. Okay. All right. Um, yeah okay so anyways <laughs> you can imagine right he Simon Peter hears he hears John says it is the Lord and his automatic response his heart response is I have to go to Jesus I have to I have to I have to go it doesn't matter if I look stupid to my friends I have to go to Jesus his heart response is one that can't contain the joy and the excitement and the possibility of being near his savior. I, I, have to, I have to go, I have to jump. I have to make a complete fool of myself. I don't care. I'm gonna go to Jesus because I need to be in his presence. I need to be where he is. I need to be with what he's doing. I, I need to be near Jesus. I need to be completely out there. Jesus is the one I have to be next to. And when I was reading this, I felt the Lord kind of say to me, Nick, I wonder if we display that kind of excitement of Jesus in our lives and in the church. I wonder if we display that over exuberance. Oh man, do, do you know Jesus? No, what? you need to know Jesus. I wonder if our lives are, are a, a, a witness in itself of the love, the generosity, the kindness, the power of Christ when I was reading this, I felt Peter saying, I don't care if what's happening, but I need to just dive in with my clothes and I'm going to swim this 109 yards, whatever. I have to be next to Jesus. I have to be with him. And I felt like it doesn't matter if we're young, if we're older. Surely we need to display a kind of excitement at the fact that we are with Jesus. We are with Christ. He is in us and we are with him. Um, my children, if you've got children or grandchildren, you'll be familiar with this. And even if you're an adult, you may still do this. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, we'll see. I will ask you a question afterwards and we shall see. Okay. So my kids are a bit like this. When it comes to their birthdays or Christmas, when something good is about to happen, when they know something good is coming, you can see it in their eyes. They start to get a bit crazy start to kind of bounce on the spot and it's like a boom, boom, boom. And just, they start to bounce and then they, here's a present. Oh my God, it's a present. And they rip up the paper and they get crazy. Their eyes widen and they get big and they go, Daddy, no! And they start to jump up and down and they're bouncing around. They're shrieking. There's laughter. There's, there's tears. I can't believe it. And then there's happiness. Have you ever experienced this with your kids or grandchildren that this sense of complete 
wild child that they have at something good. This is good. Um, when we went to Disney, they couldn't believe that we were going to Disney. And the morning of Disneyland, they were just like bouncing off the walls. They couldn't contain their joy and their excitement. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah? That sense of excitement. I cannot contain this in my heart, in my body. And so this excitement vibrates into physical display of happiness. They have to shut it out. They have to bounce around. Or if you're a, if you're, if you're a sports fan, if you, if you're, you got your fingers crossed hoping that Arsenal wins the league. Yeah, who did that? Who said that? Is that Tom? If you're hoping that Arsenal wins the league, right? I reckon if they win the league, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, yeah. You're going to physically display your passion for Arsenal because they win the league, right? But when I was reading this, it sensed that we need to like winning the league for Arsenal or be like a kid at Christmas. Where is our display of the love of Jesus in our life? And I felt Peter was showing me something maybe I'd never seen before. It's Nick, when you, when you do church, when you, you, you are out with your friends, with whatever you do, your life needs to display what you say or what you, how you act. People need to also physically see that Jesus is present in your life. And that could basically mean I can't stop talking about Jesus. I can't be quiet about it because I need to share Jesus with my friends. Church, our response to the goodness of Jesus needs to be a yes when we go towards him and where he's at. Our response to the provision of Jesus is like Peter. I need to go to where he is at. I need to go towards Jesus. I need to be with him. I need to be around him. I need to be blessed by him. I just need to be in his presence. But the story doesn't finish there. So there is this blessing that Jesus gives and there's a response of his disciples as they swim and go towards Jesus and as they arrive at the shore this is where I think there's also a deeper truth to the story, as they arrive at the shore they meet with Jesus they see him there's a fire there's some fish there's coals, there's bread there's a barbecue on the beach um, and they get there. And Jesus says, hey, friends, just come. Um, let's eat. Bring your fish. Bring what you've caught to this table. Bring it. See, the thing is, Jesus could easily provide for each and every single one of us. He could do it. He could go, Nick, I'm going to give you all you need. Don't do anything. Don't do any work. Just, just chill. Kick back. Relax. Don't do anything. Just Sit back, let me provide for you. But the greater truth and the deeper truth of this story is he doesn't just want that. He says, bring what you've caught to me. I, I want to feast with you and I want to enjoy the goods that you've caught as well. Bring the fish that you've caught and I want to taste that fish. I want to eat with you. Come, as, as he feeds us, he wants, says, hey, feed me as well. Give me of what you have. Bring your, bring your gifts, bring your food, bring what you have to this table. He's inviting us into fellowship with him. He's inviting us into a, an intimacy with him, into a deep, deep relationship with him. And there, like he did on, on, um, on this, on, um, I've lost it. When he 
before he got crucified on the, when he, what was that thing? My goodness, I can't believe it. Doesn't matter. I'm going to keep going. Okay. Before his crucifixion, that's it. Um, that's the word, crucifixion. I can't believe it. It's only two weeks ago. <sighs> Nick. Anyways, um, when he sat down and had a meal with his disciples, what did he do? He broke bread and he broke wine. Broke wine? He broke bread and he poured out the wine. And what did he do? He served his friends. And again here, he's got everything ready. He's got a table ready. And what does he do again? He breaks bread. He gets some fish and he serves his friends again. It's a wonderful picture of Jesus calling us into a place of intimacy with him and to be at his table. Imagine a bit like this. Um, think of a friend um, and actually you may have had that we've had that in our own lives a friend a friend who's going through a really difficult time a friend who's going through a really tough time uh, maybe it's at work um, maybe they've lost a loved one something doesn't really matter the circumstances but something where it's a really difficult time they're going through they're overwhelmed they're feeling stressed they're upset they are sad and one day you decide, I'm going, to, I'm going to surprise that person. And I'm going to come to their house. And I'm going to bring their favorite meal. I'm going to bring food. Um, I'm going to bring their favorite dish. And I'm going to set the table. I'm going to prepare everything. We're going to have some drinks. We've got some food. And I'm going to serve them. And I'm going to invite them to come and eat with me. And then as, as they eat, I'm just going to listen. And I'm going to be there. And I'm going, to learn and I'm going to have an ear to listen. And as the story goes on, I'm, we're going to pray together. We're going to laugh together. We are going to read a Bible together. We are going to be in a place of intimacy together. Because by providing food and a listening ear, what you are showing to your friend is you care for them. That you love them. That you support them. That you want the best for them. That you are there for them. Just in the same situation with your friend, Jesus is doing the exact same thing for his friends. He's providing for them. He loves his friends. I, I love you guys. Here's, here's some fish. Here's the fish you brought. Here's the bread. I want to hear about your days. Tell me about your life. What's going on? Can you just imagine being with Jesus and he's just there and just, just basking in his presence and he's feeding you and he's, he says, hey, Nick, tell me about your day. Yeah, just... Just tell me, what's going on with you? Like, tell me about your life. Well, you know, Jesus, uh, we, we were going to fish. We went out to fish, and it was unbelievable. It was cold. I didn't catch any fish, but you came. Just tell me about your day. The deeper truth to this story is that Jesus invites us to be in this place with him, in this place of communion, in this place of relationship with him, where we are not just physically fed with the bread, fish, but we are physically fed with the word that he speaks over us, where we are in his presence, where we are changed and transformed by the presence of Jesus himself. I love the fact that even though Jesus is the source of all blessing and all provision, Jesus is the source of life's um, abundances and everything he can give us. He invites me and he invites you to come to this table and to share with him, to bring your gifts, to bring
bring your talents, to bring what you caught to this table and to feast with him. In this, I think we need to respond with the same heart, heart of gratitude and acceptance and receive his invitation to receive his blessings, to receive being part of his family, to receive being part of his kingdom, where he empowers us to use our gifts and to bring what we have to his table. Not only just to serve him, but to serve others. So let us take comfort in this message and strive to live our lives in a way that glorifies Jesus and brings honor to him. Amen.